0: What's up, everyone? My name is Nick Clark, and welcome to Play Hard and Love Big Radio, the official podcast of Spotted Dog Yoga and Sup, based out of Folsom, California. Here at Play Hard and Love Big Radio, we're dedicated to bringing you the inspirational people and the inspirational stories so that you can connect to your center and live a more purposeful and passionate life. We bring people on this show And share stories on this show that hopefully make a huge difference for you. And I know from what I've heard lately and from what we're seeing in our numbers that you are enjoying and digging this show. Now, if you're brand new to the show, get it. Totally finish this one because it's going to be great. And after that, go back and check out one of our episodes from the past five seasons. There's over 100 episodes for you to dig into that are really, really amazing with great guests and great information and lots of inspiration to keep you going from day to day. You know, it's um, cool too, as we move into season six, we are preparing to do a bunch of different recordings this coming week with a lot of really neat people, people that have been very successful professionally as athletes or as business professionals and we have a solid rock star lineup coming up for you, including Dan Nevins from the Wounded Warriors Project, one of my good buddies. And I think you'll really enjoy all the other amazing guests that are coming, too. So keep your eyes and your ears peeled. This episode is an, just a quick episode that I wanted to bring into play for you about my athletic career. And something that i 've done all the way throughout my athletic career and my business career that has helped me become successful and something that I think a lot of people are very reluctant to do uh, for various reasons you know um, for p- from past experiences they're reluctant to do it from a fear of failure they 're reluctant to do it, but ultimately what i've found is that if I just keep doing this one thing that I will become successful at whatever it is that I want to do. And I want to share that one thing with you. And that one thing is to throw yourself 100% in to whatever it is you want to do. Whether that be getting into a relationship, beginning a new athletic endeavor, starting a new job, creating a new profession. Put yourself 100% in the worst thing you can do is get excited about something and just put a few toes in the water to test it out or to think about doing something for 10 years before you actually do it. The very best thing that you can do and the thing that I consistently do over time that yields powerful results is I throw myself 100% into what I'm doing. I'm not looking for a back a door exit. I'm not trying to get out of what I'm doing, I'm putting myself in as if I'm going to do it for the rest of my life. You know what? And if I put myself in as if I'm going to do it for the rest of my life and I try my hardest and I do the very best that I can in every situation possible, and I'm constantly working on improving myself, then ultimately, if that doesn't work out, that relationship, that profession, that athletic endeavor, if it doesn't work out, then at least I know I put myself 100% in. Now, why do people not put themselves 100% in? Well, there's a lot of reasons. And I would say that and argue that probably the number one reason that people don't put themselves all the way in is because of their past experiences with putting themselves 100% in. It's like, oh, you fell in love when when you were a teenager. So much you fell in love with this person. And then... That teenager, you know, like the age of 17 decided they wanted to party and move on and broke up with you, broke your heart. And you thought, you know what? I'm never throwing myself all the way back in again because that sucked. I mean, that's an example. (laughs) That's an example of how that may happen in a relationship, you know, but in a job, you may have heartbreak in a job. You throw yourself all the way in and then you get burned and it doesn't work out the way you wanted it to. And so the next time that a job opportunity comes up, you're less likely to put yourself in because... By putting yourself all in, you risk the opportunity of having your heart broken again. And then it becomes this vicious cycle of no longer throwing yourself 100% in and always having a backdoor exit, always having a way to get out of what you said you wanted to put yourself all the way into. And that really is a bad habit to create. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about my athletic endeavors, some things that I've done throughout my uh, career that have. Been successful and things that I've thrown myself all the way in with. And I will s- start with my soccer career. My soccer career started when I was really young. So when I was five years old, and I played all sorts of sports. I played soccer, I played baseball. You know, I dabbled with football, but never got to the place where I had pads on through a helmet on. It just never got there for me. It was always soccer, baseball, basketball. And as I, you know, went through junior high, it was those sports. As I got into high school, my Freshman and sophomore year, I was basketball, I was soccer, and I was baseball. But then what I realized is I wanted to play professional soccer. And in order to pro- play professional soccer, I first of all had to get into college and start to play some college soccer at a high level in order to get noticed. And so, of course, I expressed my interest in doing that with my parents, and my parents were really supportive of me. And at that point in my junior year of high school, I decided that instead of playing all these other sports, what I was going to do is I was going to play soccer. So I played high school soccer for Durango High School in Durango, Colorado. And then in the off season, because Durango was such a small town, uh, what I would do is my, I would go with my dad or friends and we would go down to Albuquerque, New Mexico and We would go down there to play in a more competitive league so that I could, you know, get noticed so that I could get more experience and um, hopefully so I could get on the Olympic development program so that, you know, possibly get a scholarship to play soccer somewhere. It was a lot of dedication. Oh my goodness. Holy crap. I think about my parents driving me up and back. I think about, um, just all the time that I spent out of the ordinary high school scene so that I could develop the skill and hopefully become, a college and then professional athlete and i mean it was like 3 hours down to albuquerque 3 to 4 hours something like that and then 3 or 4 hours back and sometimes we'd go down on a saturday morning early and play two games and then go back sometimes we go down on a tuesday evening after school or like get out of school a little early go down practice and then come back to durango that night and then go back to school the next day you know it was constant we were driving and traveling always well ultimately what happened is I started to rise up in the ranks in the quality of my game above high school. You know, I mean, at high school level at that point in time was uh, more of a, like a little bit of a leisure activity, you know, um, compared to club sports. And I know it's probably pretty similar nowadays too, but ultimately what happened is that I was picked up to play on the Olympic development program team for New Mexico, which would have been impossible for me to do really in Colorado being from Durango because Denver is where most of those big teams were, which is about six and a half hours away from me. So by making the move to play in Albuquerque on my club team and really putting in that effort, my parents and me putting in that effort to do that, I was able to get on the New Mexico Olympic development program team. And then I had the opportunity to travel with the New Mexico team and play in a lot of different tournaments. And I remember, the really the game changing tournament changing moment for me was when I was playing in La, La Jolla It was surf surf cup. And, um, I think it was La Jolla somewhere down there in San Diego. And I was, uh, with the Olympic development program team at that point in time, but I was playing with my club team down at the surf cup and I had a really phenomenal tournament, but one of the last games I went And I was, I was a goalkeeper. And so I went and I dove in for a ball and the guy kicked the ball. I grabbed the ball, but then his foot came over the top of the ball and it kicked me right in the face. And you can kind of, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can kind of see a little scar I have in my face, but knocked me silly. And I had a concussion. I was bleeding all over the place, you know, and I, at that point in the game, we were up two to nothing. And then I played the rest of the game with a concussion and we ended up losing three to two. And I don't remember the last three goals that were scored on me. It was that bad. But what I do remember after the game, as I was walking off, is there was a man sitting there named Jeremy Gunn and Jeremy Gunn at that point in time was the head coach of Fort Lewis college in Durango, which is a division two powerhouse in my hometown randomly. Right. Um, I guess not randomly, but just so amazing that he was at the game he saw it he checked on me he's like wow you've had a really great tournament well ultimately what happened in the story of my career is that I came back to Durango finished up my high school career Jeremy recruited me I ended up playing for five years at Fort Lewis College in Durango my hometown sweet sweet decision and opportunity and in 2005 I was on my senior year, um, on a team that was phenomenal, and we ended up winning twenty two games, losing zero games, and we tied one game zero to zero, and we won the national championship for Division two soccer. I was an all American goalkeeper that year. it was a phenomenal experience, um, you know, but looking back at it and in regards to this episode and the topic on this episode, I know for a fact that I would not have been able to get where I got in my career, college career. And beyond that, if I had not thrown myself all the way in early, if I hadn't in high school, sacrificed the normal high school life, if my parents hadn't sacrificed, I wouldn't have had my full ride scholarship to Fort Lewis college. I wouldn't have had the opportunity to play for a national championship. I wouldn't have that, the, the all American status, the, um, an award that I received, you know, and then from there, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to go play with the Colorado Rapids in major league soccer or Chico Rooks, you know, for my the latter part of my professional career, so um, it really took something. And but I had to throw myself all the way in in order for that to happen. You know, so um, when I took myself all the way out was after I threw myself all the way in. I ended up in Chico, and I was playing for the Chico Rooks in the summertime, which was one of the first professional soccer programs. I think it was the first professional soccer program in the um, state of California, and. Um So, I played for the Chico Rooks in the summer, and then in the fall time, I was the goalkeeper coach for Chico state's men and women 's soccer team and that 's all that I did I uh ended up you know getting into a little bit of trouble as far as like taking care of myself. you know Chico 's kind of a party school, so I would coach from one till seven, and then you know I was done coaching and there was plenty of partying to do. And there was availability for me to sleep in. So of course I threw myself all the way in to partying. (laughs) And that's an example where throwing yourself all the way in didn't do me so well. Um, I got out of shape. I was unhealthy. I had to try out ultimately with the galaxy and I hurt myself and then poof, that was the end of my career. Crazy. You know? So I guess that, you know, it is true. You can throw yourself all the way into the wrong things and that can eat at you as well. But Lesson was learned. My professional career ended, but I had a great run. And I credit I credit that to throwing myself all the way in. You know, moving forward into my yoga career, I've been teaching and practicing yoga for about 12 years. And like I say it's like for almost 13 years, something like that. Shoot, goes by so fast. But I at the point in time that I discovered yoga was when I was trying to recover from my injury and I had somebody who took me to a couple of classes in Chico and it felt really good. They had a 30 day for $30 program like we do at Spotted Dog Yoga. And so I was like, all right, I'll check it out. So I uh, jumped in and I did 30 days of Bikram straight, like right away threw myself a hundred percent in. And then I stopped for a bit, moved from Chico to Folsom and I was distributing a, pro- a health product and I ran into a woman who um, had a yoga studio there. So I took 30 days for $30 there and I got really into it again. And then I remember I was driving down the freeway and I got a phone call from this woman and she said, you know, Nick, I think you might enjoy our assisting program that we have on this coming up weekend. And I thought, Hmm, that sounds really cool. And I looked at my schedule and I was like, Oh yeah, that sounds cool, but I can't make it. I'm out of town. Like, so what else should I consider doing? This is something I like. And she said, well, uh, you should check out our teacher training program. I think, you know, you might be interested in that. It'd be great for your practice. Maybe you could be a good teacher. You have a good, amazing, vibrant energy about you. You know, you should maybe check that out. And I said, okay, well tell me a little bit more about it. Oh, all right. So it's eight weekends long and it's like $3,500. And I'm thinking, shit, where am I going to get $3,500? Like, okay, I got eight weekends, pff, no problem. But $3,500, are you kidding me? And is this worth it? And I'm like, okay, yeah, this is worth it. And my trade of jumping all the way in, I did it again. And I just scrounged and found ways to make the money and to pay the program off over a longer period of time so that I could take the training program. You know, But up to that point, I'd only done two solid months of yoga. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to do this. So I threw myself all the way in. Started practicing every day, did the entire training right when I was done with the training. Well, prior to the training, I had already started teaching because I liked it. You know, even before I had my certificate, shh, don't tell anybody. Uh, you know, I went and I <laughs> started teaching at this little place called Body Investment Studios in Rancho Cordova. I was teaching at uh, Taekwondo Studios in the Sacramento area. I was teaching at CalFit, two different locations, one in Folsom, one off Sunrise. Um I was teaching almost 20 classes a week before I was even hired on at a yoga studio before I even had my 200 hour certificate. But I was at that point in time was really well versed in teaching because, uh, you know, repetition is the mother of mastery. I mean, I practiced my ass off. I taught my ass off. I knew what I was doing and I was hired on. And at that point I was just teaching at uh, the Folsom location for this studio. And then I became very popular and teaching at that studio. And, um, you know, in order to grow classes in different, st- their other two studios, they would move me to different class times that were having a hard time getting people. And then I would grow the classes in those places. And so I ended up teaching there for like three years. And at the point that I was teaching there, I, uh, at the point that I stopped teaching there, I was grossing the most amount of people per class of any teacher, including the ownership of the studio. And so, it uh, seemed appropriate at that point in time for me to stop driving all the way around town just for a paycheck and to start putting my attention on being a leader, less of an individual and more of a leader. And so what I started doing is uh, considering the option of opening up a yoga studio. And luckily I had my wife, Katie, who was teaching as well in the Folsom, Folsom location. She had thrown herself all the way in and she had motivated me to Um, to work with her to start a studio. And so that's how Spotted Dog Yoga and SUP was born. We threw ourselves all the way in. I mean, thousands and thousands of dollars in more than you maybe even imagine and hours and hours and hours. And for what? So that we can make a bigger difference, so that we could lead people, so that we could you know, have a life where it was less about us leading classes and more about leading other people to lead other people. And I got that from Baptiste... Yoga, you know, Baron Baptiste is such an incredible leader and uh, he motivated me and motivated Katie and inspired us to open a studio where it wasn't about us. You know, it was about um, helping other people uplift other people who uplift other people who uplift other people. And I feel like that's always in the foreground, foreground, forefront, forefront of our mind as how, like, can we inspire people to throw themselves all the way in with something you know, whatever it be. And so that's how it happened with yoga. And now here we are 10 years later with Spotted Dog Yoga and Sup. This uh, January is our 10-year anniversary. Um, And I can say certainly that we've thrown ourselves 100% in. And it's been the greatest experience of my life. And constantly I'm learning and humbled by that experience. You know, along the way, I mean, that's my profession, but along the way I've always been an athlete. And uh, I've always looked for ways to get into new athletic endeavors as challenging and as scary as they may be. And, um, you know, Katie, the boys and I moved from Folsom, Northern California to uh, right outside of Boise, Idaho, about three years ago. And we run our studio in Folsom from here in Boise, but we go back once or twice a month to or, you know, it's either once a month or once every two months to work with the studio and to see all the community there, which it's like filled with phenomenal energetic people who are committed to making a difference and just lifts us, you know, but while up here in Boise, it's been cool because Katie's entire family is up here. And so I was, uh, you know, they all joke with me, but I, I married into a really awesome family. They're all outdoorsmen, super fun and energetic. And they're the kind of people that don't make you feel bad for not being great at what you do. So uh, that's really nice for somebody who's a beginner. But I, um when I first got up here to Boise, I decided I wanted to go on a bike ride. And I had this uh, mountain bike ride that I went on up at Bogus Basin, which is the little ski area up here. I say little, it's like got the biggest night game, night game for skiing in North America. It's pretty amazing. Um, And it's like 45 minutes from, from Boise, but they have sweet mountain biking. And I had a mountain bike from Jim Sweeney, who's a teacher at Spotted Dog Yoga. He gave me this bike that he had bought at Walmart or Target or something. Kind of a cheaper bike, but he bought it for me, or he, he bought it, and then he wasn't using it, and then he gave it to me so I could chase Owen around the trails and Folsom. And I brought it up here to Boise, and I had this mountain bike that wasn't great, but... I was like, I want to try it. So I went up riding on this bike ride called Around the Mountain at Bogus Basin with this bike and Katie's cousins, Kyle and Brian. And I'm on this bike ride and um, like right from the very beginning, the chain slipped or something, something went wrong. And so we had to adjust the gears. So I just had one gear instead of 10 gears. And I took and I rode this enormous bike ride from start to finish with one gear on this Kmart slash Walmart bike that Jim Sweeney gave me. And I remember uh, on the downhill part of it, I felt like Fred Flintstone because <laughs> I was didn't have any brakes left. The brake pads had gone out. So I was sitting just above the um, bike, whatever the hell it's called, the post of the bike. And I had my feet down and I was like sliding myself to get myself to stop and whatnot. And um, yeah, I was kind of somewhat crazy and silly and stupid at the same time, you know, and at that point, we got down, we had a couple beers and Brian was like, you know, you should consider getting a new bike and, um, just, you know, make sure you tell Katie that it's a safety thing. Like (laughs) you don't want to be riding a crummy bike all over the place. that might break down on you or you may rack on or whatever. And so of course I was like, went home and, um, communicated that to Katie and she's been great about that. And she knows that, um, it's important for me to be safe out there. So, I purchased a bike, threw myself all the way in, got a sweet bike, and uh, then started riding my bike like crazy, which is ultimately what ended up getting me so fit this year. I I did over 350 miles on my bike up until the end of July. So I threw myself all the way into bike riding, and it just lifted my life up again, like something that I threw myself all the way into that took me to a whole new level of understanding. I didn't think about it. I didn't go around and sample 20 different bikes. I knew which bike I wanted. I didn't, um, you know, I just didn't think overthink it. I didn't wait a couple years, wait for a better time. I just went for it. And I'm so glad that I did. It was remarkable how it's changed my life. And on, on the end of July, I was headed up to a mountain bike ride up at Bogus with Kylie, Kyle and cousin Kyle and Brian. And we do this amazing ride. And at the end, Kyle, he looks at me. He's like, I can't even believe it, man. We were bombing down these hills and you were right behind us. He's like, you are just, you're jamming on that bike, man. That's amazing. He said, you know, I think that you might really enjoy bow hunting. And I looked at him and I was like, really bow hunting? Something I never really thought of before, you know? I mean, I had been doing some fishing up here and I threw myself in and bought all the fishing gear and did all the fishing gear. And I love that. And so that's happening too. That's another thing I threw myself all the way in. But bow hunting, like that's interesting. And he's like, you know, with all the yoga you do and your attention on alignment and your intentional breathing and all those different things, I really think you'd be um, great at bow hunting. So I thought about it and I was like, well, that sounds kind of cool. When did, When is bow hunting season? Like this is how much I knew this is the end of July this year, and he's like, "Well, um you know, my bow hunting partner that I used to bow hunt with. he moved to Oregon, and Eric, their other cousin um and I and this guy Ross, were headed up to go hunting in northern Idaho uh, beginning of september and um He's like, it'd be great if I had a partner to go with. And I'm thinking, shit, that's like less than a month. That's like just not less than a month. That's a little bit more than a month. So I thought about it, got home, just brought it up to Katie. And she's like, you know, when else are you going to have a chance to learn to hunt? I mean, you got it. Might as well start now. I'm like, okay. So there I went again. And, uh, you know, Kyle and Katie, the whole Eric, the whole community, they helped me like build a list of stuff that I needed to buy. Um, it was an expensive ass month. August and on top of that I was jumping in the car early morning I had uh, weights in my backpack 70 pounds of weights and I was doing five to ten mile hikes preparing myself for this bow this bow hunt and um, it ended up turning into two bow hunts and it was the most amazing and exciting and humbling and frustrating to weeks, well it was actually twenty one days of my life. And the cool like just the I'm you know, now that I'm back and September's over and bow hunting season is over for twenty twenty three, all I can think about is what I can do to prepare to do it again next year. Um just I you know, like uh, a lot of people don't understand hunting. I think a lot of people think that, you know, hunters just get out there and it's super easy for them to hunt an elk or kill an elk. It is easy to hunt them, but it is not easy to kill them. And especially if you're a bow hunter, I can, let me tell you this. If it happened to be that we killed an elk, which we didn't, we had a lot of really, really close calls. But if it happened to be that we did, it would be f- a phenomenal amount of meat and food for our family for the year. Number one, that's pretty Amazing to think that I could provide for my family in that way. And number two, it's really, really good for the herd. You know, they give out tags in all the states based off of um the herd population. You know, and if there's too many bucks or too many bulls or too many elk in a certain area, then it becomes harder for them to reproduce because elk herds need space they need water they need food but if they're not being um, killed off in some way shape or form via predators right or you know hunters being a predator but like natural predators and then there becomes an overpopulation then the herd starts to suffer and the numbers drastically start to be impacted so actually hunting and bow hunting um, well hunting in general but for my modality, bow hunting, um, it's not only super freaking challenging to get within a 40 yards of an elk to actually take a shot. That's really challenging. We're talking climbing like nine to 10,000 feet in elevation, 15 to 20 miles a day for what Kyle and I did was almost like uh, 17 days of a hunt in the month of September. You know, it's not easy, but also um, when that kill does happen, which it didn't this year, I think the percentage of that happening is like 10%, then, um, it's a good thing for the herd, you know? And I think a lot of people misunderstand hunters. They think, Oh, they they just go out there and they kill something and to eat it. And that's it period. They don't, there's nothing else to it. It's easy. It's not fair. It's not good for the animals, but in reality it it is good for the herd and the natural process of the herd, you know, elk and, And, um, all wildlife were put on earth as resources and we can choose to use them or not, but I'm definitely now become a fan and an advocate of hunting, responsible hunting and more than that, uh, bow hunting, because I know that it's good for all parties involved. And anyway, for me, even though, um, we didn't get it, uh, you know, we didn't end up killing one. It was such a cool experience. There were so many times when we were with, uh, within a hundred yards of them. Sometimes we knew they were, there, sometimes we they were there, sometimes we didn't know they were there. Sometimes we didn't know they were there right away, but then we found out that they were there because they saw us, and they left <laughs> Sometimes we knew they were there. They didn't know we were there, but then when we got to a hundred yards, they knew when we were there, and then they left. You know you gotta deal with wind, you gotta deal with other hunters, you gotta deal with all the different like sides of the cliffs and um side hilling and you gotta deal with sleeping in the wilderness for. You know, 10 days at a time, I mean, it's pretty damn rugged and humble. You know, there was one, at one point, we both were like, we should go home. We're frustrated. We uh, did everything that we could do, possibly, we felt like, to get in, to have a chance at even pulling our bow back. And um, it just didn't work out, you know, and we both were like frustrated and wanted to leave, but we had to walk ourselves through it and stick with the process just as a way to learn you know and I think that that's I guess that's where I'll end this episode because I could talk about my bow hunting experience forever but I you know I want to just end this episode with this like you never it's not about the reward you get at the end it's not about that it's not about the um, championship at the end although that was cool for soccer you know it's not about the yoga studio at the end you know, although it's cool that we have that studio, it's not where I want it to be. It has not impacted the amount of people that we want to impact, and that's why we continue to work on it, because it's um, a passion of ours, and it's it's consistently, there's an opportunity to grow and learn from it. You know, my fishing, I didn't even talk about that, but my fishing, it's not about catching the biggest trout or catching as many fish as I can. It's about being out there and learning the learning about it, learning how to use the proper flies, learning how to... And where to put your fly in the water to increase your chances to mimic a fly so that fish may bite on it. It's like very special, you know. And then hunting, like wow, oh my gosh. Learning about the different terrains, how to deal with different weather, how to um, learn to layer so you don't overheat or so you're not freezing cold um, so you don't die in the woods. You know, being in shape enough so that you don't fall down a rocky cliff. And kill yourself understanding how to shoot a bow so that if you do have the opportunity to pull your bow back you can which by the way for that amount of days in the wilderness we never even pulled our bow back one time we were never that close to where it could happen you know but there's such an opportunity to learn how the world works by throwing yourself all the way in you know and whether you do that athletically like i do it you know I mean, it doesn't matter. You do it athletically, you do it professionally, you do it in your relationships, throw yourself all the way in and be open to learning from the experience. And if you're open to learning and you're not focused on what's wrong, you're just focused on the greatness of what it is that you're doing and also you are um, committed to changing your perspective and learning and developing who you are along the way, then you're going to get the most out of it and um, it's going to continue to change your life and forever change your life. If you do that way more than just dipping your toes in the water, you know, which is why I always recommend and think that people should check out our awaken yoga teacher training program that we do. We do it every six months. We have another one coming up in February. I mean, if somebody wants to learn yoga, don't just dip your toes in there, throw yourself all the way in really. Um, and I'll put some notes in the, or I'll put the link in the show notes for this one for awaken yoga training, but you should do it. I did it changed my life. Every single thing about my life changed because of it. And I believe that I am that person that puts myself all the way in even more than I was when I was born because I did that training, that very first training and because I continue to do trainings. So think about and write down and then go do what it is you want to do. And I believe that you will find that when you're playing hard like that, playing hard on a different level like that, that you will naturally love big and attract more love your way because that's the energy you're putting out into the world is that you are open and willing to receive love 100%. Thanks for listening into this podcast and listening to me chat for 30 minutes. My name is Nick Clark. I am your host for today's episode of Play Hard and Love Big Radio, the official podcast of Spotted Dog Yoga and SUP based out of Folsom, California. Check us out at spotteddogyoga.com. Play Hard and Love Big Radio is available on all the major podcasting platforms, including YouTube. So if you want to see my beautiful face, head to YouTube and check it out, or you can just imagine that I'm better looking than I am and listen to the audio formats as well. Look forward to seeing you again on the next episode of Play Hard and Love Big Radio. See you later. Peace.